You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Hi there, this is Raj Lal, and I'm joined by Joff Schmidt, who's the president and CEO of Equitas Neo Exchange. Joff has 30 years of experience in the financial services industry internationally, with particular expertise in the market infrastructure space across asset classes and also across countries. He's previously served as the CEO of the Alpha Group of companies, including the Alpha Exchange. Joff, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure to be with you, Raj. So let's start at the very top. Why don't you uh, give everyone a quick overview of what NEO is? Yeah, we are a, a pretty new uh, stock exchange in uh, in Canada. Uh, in fact, we uh, we started operations, uh, uh, you know, becoming fully operational. I would probably say three years ago, and. Uh, Today represent uh, about 10% of uh, uh, all volume traded across uh, all Canadian listed securities. We have uh, our own listings uh, now. We started with the ETFs and uh, are today close to uh, 70 ETF tickers listed on the exchange, listed with us, nowhere else. And uh, we also uh, have uh, now five corporates uh, listed with us. so that is uh, uh, what we are as, a, as an exchange. And, and next to that, we also developed a, another business, uh, a distribution platform for uh, funds uh, that are not listed, uh, i.e. mutual funds or uh, offering memorandum funds. And uh, there we have now raised for the manufacturers uh, using us uh, close to uh, $600 million. Great. So, Joss, you and I have known each other for a few years now, and, uh, you know, I think you're really perfect for this podcast because it's obviously, you know, our, our subject is titled The Disruptors Behind Innovation, uh, and NEO is probably a great example of that. So, let's, can we talk a little bit more about, you know, what your vision is for NEO um, going forward, and, and then let's also get into what really differentiates you from the big incumbent. Yeah, probably the best uh, the best way to to start that is to to look back. Like, why why did we uh, come with uh, with an initiative like like Neo? Why did we launch a new stock exchange in in Canada? And I think the the genesis is is really two two elements in in my eyes. Uh, one, uh, the way that uh, markets and services provided by uh, stock exchanges and marketplaces evolved. Uh, over time, and, and I think it has a, a lot to do with uh, those organizations all becoming uh, for-profit organizations, where uh, the first focus is how do I maximize uh, returns for my shareholders, and, and who is then the, the loser? It's the uh, investor, and it's the uh, the public uh, issuer. And uh, we have seen that uh, in uh, in terms of uh, quality of execution in the in the markets. Uh, where the winner typically is uh, the, uh, the the high speed trader today, we have seen it in the uh, disappearance of uh, market makers, a, a key player, a key liquidity provider, a safety net in the markets. Uh, market makers with with commitments are no longer there, but we've also seen it uh, in uh, in the way that uh, companies are, are pulled and pushed to go public while they are not ready. We have seen it in the cost of market data and the lack of market data solutions that satisfy all investors. 
So, in, in fact, an entire evolution of those marketplaces and exchanges, which was maybe good for their shareholders, but not good for the, the industry. That, that was one element of the genesis. And the second one was uh, what happened uh, after the London Stock Exchange did, uh, did a bid on the, on the, on the TMX group. And uh, it was counted, as you may remember, by, uh, by a set of uh, financial institutions called the Maple Group, who brought together the TMX, the Clearing and Settlement Organization in Canada, and TMX's main competitor, Alpha, which, is, as you mentioned earlier, I was, was running, and re-established a, a monopoly. So with lack of competition, lack of innovation, and, and focus on you know, their own shareholders. And, and that drove us to create a new exchange. And what makes us unique and, and, and different, I, I think, you know, the genesis probably uh, explains it, but it's that everything we do, we try to do it in a way that is going to be to the benefit of the investor, the issuer, or the dealer that's really adding value to the, to the market. And uh, from a trading perspective, uh, we have uh, uh, lots of elements in our, in our trading model that uh, will level the playing field. We have a speed bump uh, to uh, take away a speed advantage. We have different matching priorities of, of orders where, you know, even if you don't come in as the first one, but uh, you come in later, but you are a natural investor, you will have priority over an opportunistic HFT. We came with concepts to really re-energize, incentivize market makers. I think those are the elements we developed over there. On, on the listing side, we focus a lot on listening and then coming with, uh, with answers. Uh, the, the key points that always come back from the issuers are liquidity, uh, two, uh, awareness with, uh, with investors, three, uh, getting uh, a reliable service, um, a predictable service from an exchange through the entire listing process and, and afterwards, and value for money. And we focus on, on those four elements. And then a third element uh, that uh, you are very aware of, I believe, that, that is our advocacy role. We have been a big advocate to, to tackle issues in the market, and, and one for me that, that, that is uh, very close to me and I think very important for many issuers is the fact that in Canada we don't have truly consolidated market data, and, and that puts us somewhere in the dark ages. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what's it like in other countries? Like how's how's the Canadian market different than the U.S. and and yeah. and uh, parts of Europe and even Asia? I think I think that uh, that the biggest difference in uh, in between Canada and the U.S. and and let's let's start with how things operate in the U.S. Uh, if uh, you are uh, uh, an investor uh, working through a discount broker channel or you are a uh, financial advisor uh, having access to uh, to real time market data, well in the U.S you will see all market data. You will see all the quotes. You will see all the trades, regardless of the fact that those quotes are provided or those trades take place on a multitude of different venues. In the U.S., they have more than 50 venues where you can trade, let's say, IBM or, uh, or uh, uh, any specific type of, uh, of ETF. But then it's all consolidated and available at a reasonable cost to, uh, to, those, uh, to those investors. In Canada, that's not the case. What's happening in, uh, in Canada is that uh, most of the uh, uh, professional market participants think about uh, institutional investors, uh, their heads of trading, uh, their portfolio managers, 
uh, think about the sell side, uh, sell uh, uh, traders over there, uh, market makers over there. They have access to all that information also, like like in the U.S. But if you are uh, a financial advisor or an investment advisor, or if you are an investor, retail investor behind the discount brokerage platform in Canada, you typically only see uh, TSX uh, market data or TSXV market data for securities listed on those uh, two, uh, two exchanges. And what that means is that uh, you, you miss, uh, you know, depending on, on, on what type of security, of course, but you can miss up to uh, 60%, 70% of the action going on in, in those uh, securities because a lot of the trading is taking place on, on other venues which are not the TSX or not the TSXZ. I think that today it's probably fair to say that overall TSX and TSXZ represent about uh, 65% of all volume traded in, in Canada. Uh, so that is what you see, and you see the quotes also. But if you take, for example, ETFs, they represent today maybe 30-40% of everything that happens in that space. And, and I think that this is a very bad situation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've been a big advocate for it, coming with solutions, reaching out to the competition bureau, reaching out to the regulators, and saying that this leads to uninformed investors. This is bad for issuers because they cannot really present the full liquidity and, and, and quality of the security to, uh, to investors. And sadly enough, and we did predict it, it leads to incidents like uh, what we saw when uh, the TMX uh, experienced uh, a major technology issue a couple of months ago, where um, suddenly all retail investors and, and the 95% of investment advisors in Canada are blind and do not see what's happening in the market. Uh, while uh, in the U.S. this would be totally seamless, uh, you know, NYSE went uh, down in the, in, in the past, a year, year and a half ago, uh, New York Stock Exchange, and yeah. it was totally seamless. People just continued to trade. So this is a very bad situation, uh, and, and that is what I mean by the word uh, dark ages when it comes to market data in Canada. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's let's pivot a bit, and you know, I, I think you probably agree that ETFs have been one of the more innovative uh, products that have come into the uh, investment industry over the last you know 10, 20 years. Um, but you've also been championing uh, something else. I guess the launch of Neo Connect with, and the invention of of the uh, PTFs, the platform traded funds, uh, has sort of innovated uh, another element of the mutual fund industry. Why don't you talk a little bit about how PTFs work? And uh, what what do you expect the growth and adoption of these uh, products to become? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, you're absolutely right. So this is a bit of a of a, of a separate business of our classical uh, stock exchange uh, business, and and it it was driven by uh, again an assessment uh, of of you know issues and, and challenges that were detrimental to uh, to investors and and, and manufacturers of of, uh, of funds. So we saw clearly that uh, from uh, uh, an investment advisor direction, uh, the transition towards fee-based accounts was a given. And uh, at the same time, we noticed that if you look at the portfolios of those types of advisors, there was a uh, steep uh, decline uh, in comparison with uh, uh, other types of advisors in, in, in mutual funds. And 
of course, it's linked to the fact that uh, you know you you pay a fee for a fund and then you pay uh, a fee for the advisor on top of it, and all of that uh, reinforced by uh, a regulatory environment that is pushing for more and more transparency. So the investor sees the full picture and suddenly realizes that he's paying large amounts of of of, of money for those uh, for those uh, funds. The second thing that uh, we saw is that. Many investment advisors were extremely frustrated with the way they were purchasing and, and redeeming those, those funds. A bit of a, uh, an antiquated process where you have to enter your, your order client by client. So not very user-friendly. And uh, I'll never forget the call I gave one day to an advisor who was uh, doing some changes in his portfolio. And he said, uh, you know, call me back in four hours because I'm entering all my orders. And, and that is... You know, I've, I've heard about people who are working on it for a couple of days. So yeah. that that was not very good either. And then the third element, uh, you know, fee pressure on the manufacturers and, and, you know, how can you reduce the cost? And, and what we try to tackle with NeoConnect, so that's our new fund distribution platform, is is all those issues. And like always, you know, the light bulb went, went up in, in, in a funny way. It's not always about you know, coming with uh, totally different technology to disrupt things. It's also sometimes just putting pieces together in a different way. And, and, and our entire idea was to say, can we use the entire processing chain that is today used to trade, buy and sell uh, securities that are listed? You know, think about an ETF, think about a corporate that is listed. And can we use that for mutual funds and even OM funds so that uh, at that moment, the experience becomes totally different. And we did it, and, and it works, because what it turns out to be now, coming back to the problems I mentioned, the advisor, uh, he uh, has uh, full use of all the tools he uses today for securities. He can now also apply them to funds, to mutual funds or M funds. So one single order, bulk order, and the full allocation happens automatically through all the systems into the client accounts. Uh, what took potentially days takes uh, a minute. When you look at uh, the manufacturer, by using the entire uh, securities, listed securities concept, in fact, they don't need to manage accounts, client accounts anymore on an individual basis, you know, potentially tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of accounts. Uh, because we leverage the back office of the dealer. So the dealer is now the book of records. That's where all the individual clients are, and the manufacturer has in front of him the dealer. So instead of hundreds of thousands of accounts, they have 50, 70 uh, accounts that they manage. Big opportunity to reduce costs, and then you know they can either take advantage of that or share part of that cost reduction uh, to the advisor and the, and the investor. And we have seen MERs coming down substantially, like uh, up to 40%. Uh, percent. And for the dealer in between, uh, it's, it's a nice proposition also because we don't charge them any fees. Uh, we use the technology that they have, and, and, and adding one of those products is like adding a listed uh, ETF, and it even has the benefit that uh, it all integrates in the same systems. The reporting is integrated. Tax management is handled centrally. So you have a number of efficiencies that emerge there, there also. So that is what, what it's about, and I think that, uh, like, you know, with everything, where, where you come with something different, disruptive, that, that is doing things in a different way, uh, you need 
education helped people to understand. It was like that with our trading, with our listings, same with NeoConnect. And then you start to see that, that adoption. You will also have some people that resist because of vested interests, but right. they, will not, uh, they will not last. Hmm. Well, this was great. Um, before we close off, I think you probably just gave one of them, but why don't you share with everyone what your top two or three predictions are for the uh, Canadian financial services industry? I think uh, that's always uh, a tricky uh, a tricky question and uh, and there's also many areas of course you can look at but uh, you know what I'm going to zoom them in on uh, on the uh, on the funds space uh specifically and one I think that uh, we are going to see uh, a continued and accelerating uh, shift from passive investments into active investments so I believe that active investments are going to come back in uh, in uh, in full force. Two, I think that pressure on uh, fees will continue, driven by regulators, driven by competition. Uh, you've seen some of the recent uh, uh, announcements, driven by uh, transparency, uh, driven by, uh, you know, a lot of developments that take place. So manufacturers will need to figure out how to further reduce fees to bring those products to the, to the market. Three, uh, a platform like uh, like NeoConnect, uh, I think, is going to become uh, a key element in enabling that that uh, that evolution. And I would say, uh, you know, probably the answer to make active management uh, available to investors at uh, at a reasonable cost. Great. Thank you very much for your time today, Josh. This was fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you uh, for reaching out, Raj, and. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you in the market uh, again. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.